Good to see all of you. Welcome, 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 welcome to New City Church. So good to be in this space with you this morning. And hey, if you're, if you're watching us online at New City Live, I'm just so grateful that you're joining us from wherever you are today. Um, hey, happy spring. Man, so cold. Way to battle through the cold and the, the time change the, um, as we spring forward this morning. How many of you went to bed one hour early last night? A few of you. Hey, way to go. Way to go. Isn't it interesting how you just change that one hour and it really does mess with you, right? But hey, the morning came nonetheless. Our daily wordle came a little bit quicker to us this morning. Um, and hey, um, uh, I just would say too, like, Later on, when we're all on that walk or driving home at 6.30 and the sun's still shining, um, we all show ourselves a little bit of forgiveness for all the anger we might have felt uh, earlier today. Um, but hey, good to see all of you. Hey, my name is Nick Schreiber. I'm the, the care pastor here at New City. And if you're visiting uh, or joining us and you're newer today, just want to just give you an extra uh, special welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And we'd love to know that you're here. And so if you're willing to take a step towards connecting with us today, we'd love for you to stop by Connection Point, which is in our center foyer. Uh, we have hosts there ready to greet you, answer questions that you might have about church, um, as well as um, we have a gift for you that we'd love to give you. And so we'd love for you to stop by. And don't forget about Next Step. Next Step's happening on March 27th in a couple weeks um, during our, our second service, our 11 o'clock hour. Um, and if you're newer, newer, that's the perfect place to kind of find out more about our church, meet some staff learn about our mission, our framework for ministry, and just get to, get to ask questions and hopefully get them answered. And so that's coming up. We'd love for you to join us then. Um, hey, just, just one main announcement, and, and it has to do with the theme of care. Um, you know, we as, a, as at New City, we want to be a place that cares well for one another. We know that we all navigate and, or will navigate seasons uh, where we're struggling, where we're hurting, where we, we're in need. Um, and we, we all go through it, and we want, we want to make sure you know you, we don't want you to go through that alone. Um, and so a couple, a couple things to note. One, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to know what's going on. And so one of the ways that you can let us, let us know how to pray is there's a, there's a prayer card in your, in your seat back. Um, so every week you come in, if there's something going on, we want to know about it. We as a staff are committed to praying, and there's about 200 people on a prayer team that commit to praying for your requests every week. And so, again, that's one way that I mean, often if we don't know, we can't pray. And so, so we would love to know. Also, you can go to, go to prayer at newcity.us. Uh, or, or, what is it again? It's prayer at, yeah, at newcity.us. And let us know um, the pray. Or even if you go to our app, uh, there's a connect tab. There's a, there's a way to just, just submit prayer requests right through there as well. We'd love to pray for you in that way. Uh, also, though, one of the cool things that we as a church are developing and starting to, to put together care teams where, where we are putting together people who, who are just saying, I have a heart to come alongside those that are in those seasons where they need an extra provision of care. And so, and so we are putting together teams that will visit people or write notes to people or bring meals to people or, or just, just say, I want to be a friend to those who are hurting. And so if that at all interests you, I'd love to, I'd love to know about it, but also you can go to uh, newcity.us/care and there's a there's a information there about how to just let us know you want to be a part of one of our care teams, which I which I would really love. <laughs> hey, um, we're gonna pray here in a second for our, our offering, um, and again we give as an act of worship, um, as an act of faith, as an act of sacrifice, 
And, and when, when God's people give, it enables the church to continue to uh, fulfill its mission of bringing gospel renewal uh, to our city and world and to help others find and follow Jesus. And so we'd love, we'd love for, for you just to know that, man, you can give online. You can give in person through our, our giving boxes. You can even set up recurring giving online as well. You can text to give, all that. But all that to say, we're just grateful for your generosity as a people. So thank you so much. And we, let's pray together now for that offering. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, for allowing us to be here. God, we, we, um, may we not take for granted the next few moments, or even this whole, this whole time. Just pray, God, that as we sing and worship, as we hear your word proclaimed, as we sit next to our brothers and sisters in Christ, God, would your spirit speak to us? Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you remind us that you are at work amongst us? And so, Father, we're grateful today. We're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for grace. We're grateful for your, your provision. And God, would you enable us as your people to love you well and to love those around us well. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. All right, that's the spring forward. Good morning. Okay, and for those of you who are watching online, good morning to you as well. We wanted to start this morning um, with our time of preaching just with some family news uh, for New City. And if you are a part of our email distribution list, you received a letter uh, this week about New City worship. And by the way, if you're not, you can sign up online. Uh, we communicate throughout the week. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, but this week's communication was about worship. And one of the headlines uh, was about Stuart Fenters, who's standing here with me and him taking a new role with our church, which is overseeing all of the worship for uh, both of campuses and giving direction and, and helping us stay focused on, on what worship is um, and stepping into that. Stuart will continue to, to give primary Sunday morning leadership here at South Park. But um, as we started today, I, we wanted to share that. And I wanted to just invite you to appreciate and congratulate Stuart on his new role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one, one of the joys for me and in, in, in being here in this last season at South Park um, as the campus pastor has been working directly with Stuart. And um, of course, we, we worked together before, but we've worked even closer together and just seeing how God has uniquely gifted him. And he is uniquely gifted. Um, and I, I, I could say a lot about Stuart, but you need to know that what you see is what you get, um, that he's the real deal. Um, this is my 23rd year of ministry, and, and sometimes, sometimes, um, there, there can be folks that just kind of get affected um, by being up on a stage or a platform, because we're not made for platforms as people, by the way. Um, and so when we are on them, sometimes weird things can happen. And I just want to, I mean, it can. Um, and I just would say, like, in working with Stuart, it's, it's just his, he's so genuine um, has such a heart for worship and a heart for you. 
Um, and so when he's up, up leading and um, you know, probably doesn't get a chance, um, maybe as often to be able to, um, to share everything that he's thinking about what goes into worship. But I can tell you that there's nothing that happens here on Sunday morning that hasn't uh, been filtered and processed and, and prayed over by Stuart and his team. Um, just incredibly thoughtful in everything that we do in worship. And part of what we communicated this week was not only Stuart's role, but just you know, our genuine uh, uh, philosophy of, of worship. Um, you know, being able to, to enter into God's presence and really the definition that Stuart's helped our team to come to in the last years, we've, we've been working together on what is new city worship, is this little phrase, our, our response to God's revelation. And of course, there's so much to unpack in that, and we will together as a church family. Um, but I'm so appreciative of uh, not only Stuart's like, visible leadership up here, but just behind the scenes throughout the week, helping us to, to move forward in what is worship. Because there's a lot of things that, that happen um, you know, on, on a stage and on Sunday morning, but really our desire is that all of it is done with a heart to respond to what God has, has done for us and how he's made himself known to us. Um, so I wanted, uh, Stuart, just to um, have a moment to share um, just kind of his vision for worship as we move forward as a church together. And then I, I did want us to, to pray for Stuart this morning um, as he enters into this new season, this new role. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. Um, I just want to say I'm, I'm humbled and grateful. Um, I love this church. I love where this church has been. I love where this church is now, um, and I'm, I'm really, really excited about where we're going. And worship is, is a big piece of that. Because here's the deal, guys. Um, what we do up here and, and what I do is, is not to impress you, nor is it to provide any sort of spiritual entertainment. Because um, the world doesn't need people who leave this service and say, man, that was a great service. I like that. I like that. The world needs people who leave the doors of this church who, who have been transformed by the power and presence of Jesus. And that's really what worship is when we encounter who God is and what he's done. We respond and it changes us. Worship is a formative act that we do every week. And so that's, you know, I, I hope that you don't leave thinking, man, that was, that, that, was a good, that was a good song. I like that. I mean, I hope you like the song, but... I hope that you're being formed, and that really is the prayer. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is, is just putting people in place who are, who are like-minded and yes. who have the, the same heart for worship. So I'm also excited to, to present to you, if you didn't hear already, that Reza Singal has um, accepted the position of uh, worship leader at, at our Matthews campus. And Reza's great. She was, she was online. You may recognize her mm-hmm. a little bit. So just having a, a united heart for worship and a heart for you, um, because we want you to be um, responding to God when, yes. we, when, we, when we gather as a, as a people. Yes. If you're not doing that, then I'm not doing my job. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm grateful just for the opportunity and um, grateful to continue serving you because I love you and I want you to, mm-hmm. to grow and, and us to journey together. Yeah, awesome. All right, let's pray together. Yeah. <laughs> Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for the gift of worship, that you created us uh, to worship you, to respond to you and your love for us and the way you've made yourself known to us and you continue to make yourself known to us. And I want to thank you this morning for Stuart. Thank you for his um, apparent and visible heart for you and for us. 
And thank you for what you're doing in and through his life that spills over on Sunday morning and all throughout the week in worship. And Father, we do commit him to you and ask that you would um, make yourself known to him in new and fresh ways, that you would pour out your spirit upon him. God, that new songs would come out of his heart, that you would help him to lead with passion and with your spirit and, and in spirit and in truth as you've told us to. And that all of us would present ourselves as a living sacrifice to you, um, holy and pleasing in your sight, which is, which is our act of worship. That we would make ourselves available to you and present ourselves to you wholeheartedly in worship. And we pray that, that New City would be known as a place that responds to you in worship. Um, that is authentic and genuine in our heart of pursuing you and, and looking to you, Jesus, and as Stuart reminded us today, not to be entertained or to judge or, um, or to rate, but to be transformed by the renewing power of your Holy Spirit, um, to enter into a world that desperately needs to see that you are real and that you desire for every heart, every man, woman, and child on this planet to respond to you in worship. And to that end, we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. It was known as the unsinkable ship. It was constructed over six years by thousands of people. Of course, I'm talking about the Titanic. It was the apex of a generation's work coming out of the Industrial Revolution. It marked the beginning of building things that were seemingly indestructible. When the Titanic struck the iceberg on April 15th, 1912, it didn't strike the iceberg directly. Some of you may remember that it was able to turn uh, just briefly before seeing the iceberg and it scraped the side of the iceberg. The captain and the crew actually thought that they had escaped danger by turning the ship and by merely scraping the iceberg. Of course, they were, they were wrong. The Titanic, you, you, you might remember, was three city blocks long. It's huge. And when it scraped the side of the iceberg in the North Atlantic, uh, instead of tearing a major um, hole in the, in the hole of the, the ship, it was little, little scrapes all along the bottom of the ship. In fact, uh, when they were able to examine the ship years later, the size of the hole that, that sunk the Titanic was the size of the refrigerator in your kitchen. And it wasn't one, it was several little tears all along the bottom of the ship. The crew thought that they could um, compartmentalize the flooding. They had built the ship to be able to do that. And in fact, when they shut off the compartment where they thought the leak was, they actually increased the speed of the ship because they wanted to, to still be able to break the speed record to New York. So even after colliding with the iceberg, they went faster, which of course caused the water to come in even quicker. And some of you may not realize that it, the, the Titanic was equipped with a, a telegraph machine that was able to communicate to other ships um, out on the ocean. And, and they telegraphed and said they had, they had scraped the iceberg, but that they were okay. 
and other ships began to communicate to the Titanic asking if they needed to come and help and it annoyed the person who was manning the telegraph so they turned it off. On April 15th, 1912, the whole of a ship, a mighty ship was, was shattered and with it, the faith of a generation, the work of a generation, the, the apex, uh, uh, the, the visible work of the Industrial Revolution was, was shattered with it. So, someone once said that the loneliest moment in life is when you experience what you thought would be the ultimate and it still lets you down. The loneliest moment in your life is when you achieve what you thought would give you fulfillment. You thought that if you just got that job, if you just saved enough money, if you were just with that right person, that it would, that it would somehow fulfill you. And when you achieve that, that's the loneliest moment because you realize that it doesn't. Augustine said that our hearts, I love this, he said, our hearts are idol factories. We're constantly generating and crafting and manufacturing things to worship, to, to put our weight on. But of course, nothing can stand the weight of your worship but Jesus. And in fact, when you put the weight, the full weight of your worship on another person or another thing or something that you've manufactured or, or come up with, it, it crushes that person or that thing. It, it can't bear the weight of it. it it sinks. And that Titanic moment that happened in 1912 um, is sort of representative of many of our Titanic moments in our, our faith journeys where we, we build something, right? With our hands, we construct something that we think is unsinkable. It's, it's, um, it's able to withstand everything in life. It can, it can bear the weight of our worship, if you will, and our glory. But then we uh, start sailing through icy waters at night with big icebergs and we either hit them directly or we scrape them or we have a series of scrapes and then we try to go faster because we think if we just work harder and go faster that everything will be okay and we unplug the telegraph machine because we don't need anybody else to tell us what to think or what to do and we begin taking on water. And these things that we've constructed to bear the weight of our worship and the glory that we were built to give begin to sink. You say, Chris, where, like, where are you going with all this? Well, the Apostle Paul and the book of Ephesians, the book that we're studying together, is writing to a group of people, many of whom have done the same thing that that generation did with the Titanic. They, they built something that was a, a picture, an image of uh, their ingenuity, of their craftsmanship, of their, their will, of their energy that they, they thought was indestructible. Paul knew that the Ephesian culture that he's writing to, the church at Ephesus, was a culture of craftsmanship and design. You may uh, remember early on in the series when we were, we were setting up the book, we talked about how 
the, the Ephesians uh, designed all sorts of edifices, the, all sorts of buildings. I mean, they were known for that. In fact, the temple of Artemis was, was found there in Ephesus. And it was this, this grand edifice that they had constructed and designed. And it was, it was really the crown jewel that they took so much pride in. In fact, they would gather together in the city stadium, which did you know that the city stadium in Ephesus um, could seat 20,000 people? Um, like Spectrum Arena, they would gather together and they would, they would chant, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, our God that we've constructed, that, that we've made. The temple of Artemis was one of the great wonders of the world. Again, they were known for their craftsmanship, their design, their, their building techniques, and Paul knew this. And he knew that their faith was an overflow of their ingenuity and their design. And, you know, every city, every area has their thing. Charlotte has its thing. And oftentimes our faith, the way we worship God, is an overflow of what we feel good about ourselves, you know, in. You know, whether it's finance or design or architecture or whatever it might be for you, oftentimes we transfer that onto how we worship God. And so the Ephesians had done that. They were good designers. They were good builders. And they had constructed and built this, this faith for themselves. It was part pagan ritual of the Romans. It was, it, was, it was part superstition. And again, they would gather together and place the weight of their worship on Artemis and, and all these other gods that they had constructed in their own image. The book of Ephesians, it's interesting that Paul employs a metaphor of design and construction. And as we're studying it together, maybe this gives a little insight for you. When he uses these, he's writing to an audience again that has constructed and designed and built something of their own making in their worship of God. And then Paul writes these words. Let me read them to you. Ephesians 2, 19 through 21. He says, you are members of God's family. Together we are his house. Remember, this is the group that has built a house of worship to Artemis and many other Roman gods and took great pride in that. He says, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So Paul is using what they what they uh, were interested in, design and, and build. And he used that metaphor as a way to say, actually God is designing and building us into his temple. And instead of going to a place that you've built, uh, God is building you and he wants to dwell inside of you and he's knitting us together. And so the book of Ephesians is the story of God through the personality of the Ephesians and the apostle Paul writing to them and meeting them where they are and pointing them to Jesus. And you'll remember just by way of review that it's broken down into two different sections, the book of Ephesians is. So if you've got it open, you can kind of put a little line here. Uh, the first three chapters, there's six chapters, the first three chapters are what we believe. And we're finishing that section today, actually. And then the next part of the book is how we live, chapters four through six, and we'll, we'll start that next week. But the Apostle Paul, again, just like the Ephesians as builders, he's laying a foundation early on that the Ephesians can build their lives on. And so if we don't know what we believe, then we're not going to know how to live, and so many people in our culture right now don't know how to live because they don't know what to believe. 
And the Apostle Paul is writing to a group just like us that needs a solid foundation of Jesus and understanding what we believe so that it can, watch this, it can bear the weight of our worship. It's an unsinkable foundation that we can build our hopes and our dreams and the glory of God on. And so it's no mistake that the first three chapters are all about doctrine and theology and and what we believe. And then, again, starting next week, we're going to spend several months talking about how we live that out because that's just as important. So the last two verses, if you're there in chapter 3 of Ephesians, are a doxology. It's verses 20 and 21 of Ephesians 3. And this might be a familiar passage to you. Last week we uh, looked at a prayer that Paul was, was praying for the church. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you or watching online to go back and listen to it. Because he, he opens the prayer in verse 14. He prays this, this beautiful prayer for the church. And then these two verses that we're covering today, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, are the conclusion to that. And again, they're actually a doxology. How many of you uh, have heard the word doxology? doxology before. Okay, so the word doxology is actually made up of two uh, root Greek words, um, and you hear it right in the word, doxa, which means glory, the word doxa means glory, and logos. You you might be familiar with that Greek word because the, the logos became flesh, the word. So logos means word or speaking. So what does doxology mean? It means a word of glory or to speak glory. And so Paul wants to finish as he lays this foundation of doctrine of what we believe. And now he's getting ready to build on that with how we live. He wants to give a word of glory. And again, there's only one who can bear the weight of our glory. You've heard me say this before, but if you want to crush your children, you want to crush your spouse, you want to crush, uh, crush your, 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 your workmate, your neighbor, uh, you want to crush someone that, 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 that you've built up in your life to be the ultimate thing, then, then make them the object of your worship. Because they can't bear the weight of your worship. Only God can. And again, Paul knows that, and he builds this incredible foundation in the first three chapters. And now he's going to give this word of glory, this, this doxology. And I want to just begin to teach uh, through it. And if you have a, a pen or something to write with, I want to encourage you to take a couple of notes this morning as we finish this first part of Ephesians here with Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Paul begins by saying, now all, and here's our key word, glory, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Let's stop there in verse 20. Paul addresses this word of glory to whom? To God. The only God, again, can, can keep his promises and accomplish more than we could think or imagine. And we talk about praying only God prayers. If you're If you have your pen, maybe just write only God in the margin of your Bible. This is an only God prayer. Prayers that only God can answer. Sometimes we pray prayers that we think we can answer 80%. I just need a little bit of help, Jesus. This is an only God prayer. 
And so Paul is ascribing this glory to the only God who can bear the weight of our worship and our glory. And here's the language that he uses to describe who God is. Just some, again, this whole first uh, three chapters is about who God is, his nature, what we believe about him. And now Paul's going to put an exclamation mark here on this by teaching some great theology here about who God is. Who is God? Well, look at verse 20. First of all, he is able He's the one who is able. Now, the word able there is the word dunamis, okay? The word dunamis, I know I'm using a lot of Greek words today, but it's, it's, they're important here because the word dunamis is found all throughout the New Testament and derivatives of the word dunamis. Most notably, the word dunamis is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is Jesus speaking. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Dunamis is a word for might, ability, or power. So God is the one who possesses all power, all might, and he disperses that to us to carry out his will and good work in the world. Now, you might be interested to learn that uh, the word dynamite, uh, is, is the, the root word is dunamis. It's the same word. So when Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit coming upon them and the power that they'll receive to live for him and to live in, in front of other people and be his witnesses in the world, he says, I'm going to give you dynamite power to do that. And now Paul says it, that, that this is the God who is able, who, who has this power to give to other people, that he himself um, is, a, is a powerful God that's able to share that with other people, a dynamite giving God to other people. And then he says, through his mighty power at work where? Look at verse 20. Where is his might? How does God distribute his power into the world? Back to what Jesus said, through us. His power at work within us. God puts his power in his people. And this is what happens at Pentecost. What is Pentecost? The giving of the Holy Spirit. And God gives the Holy Spirit himself to come and indwell us and empower us to live the life that he's called us to live. So here's a, if, 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 if I've lost you, come back to me on Spring Forward Sunday here, right? Because you need to hear this. God wants to do something in you before he can do something through you. And this is what Paul is saying, that this, this incredible power that God has and that he's able to give, it begins in us, his power at work within us. So many of us, we wanna do something for God, and that's wonderful. We wanna do something for God. We wanna leave our mark in this world. But what Paul is saying here in this simple prayer, this doxology, is that God wants to leave his mark on you first that God has to do something in your heart. His power at work within you first before he can work through you. Of course he wants to work through you. Jesus says, you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But before that, I've gotta give you my power to work in and through your life. And then the third thing he, he uses here, this, this description in verse 20 of who, who is this God who is able to receive glory? Who are we giving this word of glory to? Well, he's able to do what? Look at the last part of verse 20. He's able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So I want you just for a second with me. 
Just close your eyes for just a second. Not for too long, okay? This is dangerous as a preacher. Just for a second. And I want you to think about something in your life that you've been praying for, that you've been asking God to do or to accomplish. I want you to think about a situation or a relationship or something going on that you've been asking God to work or move or change in your life. Now double it. Now triple it. In fact, what Paul is saying here, you can open your eyes now, is that whatever you're thinking right now, whatever you're imagining, whatever you're asking for, there could be a time because of God's amazing power that you look back and think, how could I ever think so small? How could I ever pray so small? It doesn't mean that what you're asking for is insignificant or small. That's not what Paul is saying. It's not what I'm saying. What he's saying is that God is able to do more than you could ever imagine in that situation. He's able to do more than you could ever think, and he's willing to do it. You know, I think there's two questions that so many of us wrestle with in life. Uh, God, are you able? Like, are you, are you able to change me? Are you able to change this situation? Are you able to do something about this thing that I'm praying about or stressing about or feel anxiety about in my life today? Are you, are you able to actually do something? Are you powerful? Like, you know, this word we're talking about, dunamis, like, do you have that? Are you able to do something about it? And here's, this is, this is the maybe even harder question. Are you willing? Are you willing? And Paul, with this simple little verse, verse 20, he's saying, yeah, God, God is able. He's absolutely able. He's able to do more than you could ever think or imagine. And, and he's willing to do that. He desires to, to bless his people and to help his people in their hour of need. And where do we see his glory? If the glory is going to this God who has all the power and he's able to give that power to us to to work within us, his very presence transforming us to do more than we could think or imagine, then where do we see this glory most? Look at verse 21. He says, yeah, we're going to see this glory to him in where? Two places. In the church and in Christ Jesus. Where do we see the evidence of the glory of God? We see it, remember we talked about like what is worship? I hope you'll never forget this. Worship is our response to God's revelation. It manifests itself in all kinds of ways. It, of course, when we get out there together as God's people and we musically, it, it happens, but it happens all throughout the week in our day as we respond to God's revelation in all kinds of different ways. And, and what Paul is saying here is that the way that we see God's glory is through Jesus and Jesus' people. So it's in the church and it's in Jesus himself. And the two I want you to see here, the two are inseparable. You, you, you can't disconnect the, the evidence of God's glory in Christ and in, in the church. They're, they're meant to go together. Um, Paul writes it this way to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, we are God's ambassadors. You're an ambassador sent to a a foreign nation to represent the kingdom of God. And moreover, Paul says that God is now making his appeal through you to the world. Think about that for a moment. That God's final argument to the world, if you will, his appeal, his revelation to the world is you. You. 
It's your changed life. And so what Paul is saying is, where do we see this glory that we're ascribing to God? We, we, we see it in Christ himself and we see it in the people of God, the church. Uh, I want you to listen to this passage and maybe uh, as you think about glory and the evidence of God's glory being seen in the church, maybe hear this passage in a, in a new way. It's, it's John chapter 1 verse 14. This is where the Apostle John is talking about the Word made flesh, the Logos made flesh, Jesus himself and living among us. And so he says this, he says, so the Word became human, Jesus, fully God, fully man, and made his home among us. And then listen to these words. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, right? And, he, and in him we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So what John is saying is, we've seen the glory of God in Jesus. That Jesus was God's ultimate revelation to us. That God came and dwelt among us and revealed himself to us. And it gets even better. That the church now, God's people, when we uh, come to receive Jesus, when we pray to receive Jesus, not by our works, but by trust, by our faith in him, by his grace, that his Holy Spirit, God himself, indwells us and now empowers us to be a witness for him into the world, in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, every single place that you go, that you reveal the glory of God through your life. And so this was God's plan all along, that ultimately through Jesus, through his person, through his work, but now through Jesus' people, the church, he's revealing himself and his glory to the world. And how long, final, final thing here, like, who's the glory going to? It's God, right? Where's the glory going to be seen? It's in Jesus and it's in the church. And for how long should this glory be given? Look at the, the final phrase here in verse 21. How long should this glory be given? All generations forever and ever. The phrase here literally means, if, you, if you're taking notes, to all the generations of the ages of the ages. That's what Paul wrote to all the generations of the ages of the ages. In other words, forever, eternally, without end. You know, when a city like wins a championship and, and like one day we're gonna get there, it's gonna happen. It's going to guys, right? We may not be here, but it's going to happen one day. It's gonna happen for our city. Uh, and when that happens, I've been told that it's, it's just this euphoric thing in the city and it just, everyone's just happy and you, know, cry, you can go and look, crime rates go down in those cities and people just you know, are excited, but then it begins to fade. As the weeks go by and the months go by, people get traded, things happen, and then it becomes a, what have you done for me lately? When, when are we gonna win another one? And what Paul describes here about how long this glory that, that we give to God, how long it should go on, how long, um, it, it's not a glory like a, a championship in a city that, that fades after weeks or months or, or goes away. It's a glory that's meant to go on forever. And, and, and so Paul ends here by saying, we should, we, should, we should give glory to God. It should be seen in Christ, of course, and in the church and the way that we live with each other. And that should go on forever. And then here's the final word, okay? If you're following along with me, there's one more word here that finishes this first section of Ephesians, what we believe. It's the final word in chapter three. What is it? Amen. Amen. 
Okay, so we use that word in the church a lot. If you're just coming into the church, you're kind of kicking the tires of faith and what this means. The word amen means so be it, or may it be so. It's actually a Hebrew word. It means, yeah, make it happen, so be it. And Paul chooses, just this is a great bottom line for us today, Paul chooses to, to conclude this first section of Ephesians about what we believe, uh, laying this foundation of doctrine and theology that we can build our lives on now in our relationships and our work and everything in our lives is built on this foundation. And he finishes with this word, amen, let it be so. And I think that's such a great word for us today. And I don't know how that hits you or what that means for you specifically, but may it be so in our lives. May, may everything that we have read and studied in these first three chapters, this incredible doctrine and foundation of who Jesus is and his character and how he wants to work in our lives, may it be so. May it be so in your family. May it be so in your workplace. May it be so in, in, our, in our church, in, in our city, in our country, and and may it be so in, in our world. Um, we normally stand to our feet when we read the scriptures, and you may have noticed that we haven't done that yet. And I'd like to do that now. As we finish this final section, I'd love for you to stand to your feet. And now that you know uh, what doxology means, this word of glory um, that Paul gives here to finish this first half of Ephesians, um, I want to invite you again just to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing so. To think about what Paul has taught us today about who is meant to receive this glory, where we see it, and how long it goes on. I just want you to listen to this word of glory today from Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Now, all glory to God who is able. Through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and forever. Amen.
Thank you for being here to worship with us today. 
It's been a good day to be here. If you're looking to get connected at New City, we'd love for this to be your home. And probably the easiest way for that to happen is at Connection Point, which is inside today. Uh, right out these main doors, we have a gift for you if you're visiting and would love to connect with you. Uh, Jen and I would love to meet you. If we haven't met you yet, we'd love to do that. We'll be, we'll be up front here afterwards. If you're able, would you extend your hands for a blessing as we, as we go today? Now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and turn his attention towards you. And may the Lord today and all throughout this week fill you with his power and his mercy and his love. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Love you guys.